Brooklyn, New York. I'm Lisa Butterworth, and this is Caught Red-Handed. Hello, my podcast peeps. This is episode 15. It is a bridal panel episode, and I interview Sarah Walters of Seattle, Washington. In this intro, I always talk about my henna life, and lately it's been a little quiet because it's winter here. I don't know if you maybe kind of heard about like some really extremely cold weather. Uh, We had that here. And on a normal winter, we don't have much henna going on, but uh, during that, yeah, hardly anyone had any skin exposed, and henna was very, very quiet. But that gave me a lot of time to sit at home and work on my latest obsession, which is working with cones. So I'm a 15-year J-Bottle user, and let me tell you, trying to learn a new skill at my age after 15 years of one uh, particular tool was not too easy. Uh, But I feel like I'm finally making progress. I think I've found the kind of cone that I like, and I found a way that I really like to roll it, and I'm getting pretty close to the consistency that I need for my paste. So a lot of stuff is coming together. And then recently I had a bride, actually just a few days ago, I had a bride and I felt comfortable enough from my practice to think that I could actually do an entire bride with cones. I recently met up with a friend of mine who wanted henna and I did his palms full palms and then uh, simpler backs, but not the feet. And I feel like that gave me a pretty good window onto what it would be like to henna a bride just using cones. I did bring my bottle just in case I started to freak out. Um, And yeah, the experience was not 100% um, easy sailing, I have to admit. I wish I could say it were different, but I learned a lot from it. I learned that it really helps to have a positive attitude and to just stick to what you're doing and see it through. I just kept reminding myself that I can do it, I can do it. So even when it was getting a little hairy and I felt out of my depth, I just kept plugging away. The bride was happy. I was really worn out from the stress of trying to keep my my mental attitude up. I do have to say in these bridal panels, what I hear from a lot of experienced bridal artists is make sure you practice a full bridal in one sitting before you actually go out and do it on a client. And I can tell you, I did not do that. Even after 15 years of experience, I still was not prepared to do an entire bride with an unfamiliar, relatively unfamiliar tool. So let that be a warning to anyone who is contemplating doing bridal henna. Make sure you practice at least one full bridal um, in one sitting. So hands, feet as complete as possible and, um, you know, both sides detailed. Make sure you really, really feel comfortable. There is nothing worse than being right there in the saddle trying to do something that you feel slightly unsure about. Today I was interviewed by a Russian TV show. I had no idea what they wanted from me. They just said they were sending a film crew and that it was just going to be general questions. So a guy showed up. I thought for some reason I was going to be interviewed by a woman and his one camera person. And they just shot me in different areas of my apartment slash studio And it was actually a really good interview. The guy had good questions. He wanted to know all about mixing henna. And he wanted to know some of the cultural aspects of henna. He even let me henna him. So I did a little henna design on him with a cone. 
I did some Moroccan for him and then he wanted to also see an Indian design so I did an Indian design of myself so it was a really good experience and I will let you guys know as soon as that video is up it will all be in Russian so unless you speak Russian you won't be able to understand anything but hopefully it'll be interesting anyway as for Sarah uh, I have been pinning a lot of her designs for I don't know, months and months, and some of them were stolen designs or, you know, designs that didn't have a watermark on them and didn't attribute the artist. I'm sure you've seen a lot of that on Facebook and and Pinterest. And then one day I saw one with a watermark and I started to put all of these designs together and realized that they were Sarah's work and that they were really awesome. I really like her clean lines but also she does Indian stuff but with a really modern twist and that's just right up my alley so I really wanted to talk to her for this podcast and then a friend of mine Maya who also lives in Seattle knows Sarah and I just happened to talk to her after I realized who she was and Maya totally vouched for Sarah so that's what led to her coming on to this bridal panel I think she's a really good addition to the to the uh, team that I'm interviewing for this what is interesting about these bridal panel interviews is how each artist has a different approach to doing bridal henna. They're all doing basically quote-unquote Indian style bridal henna, but each one has a different way that they're doing it. And it's so interesting to know that there isn't just one way of doing it. And also finding out from each of them why they do what they do. So hopefully you will get a lot out of it as well. And... Um, their advice on this panel in addition to my advice to uh, not jump into bridal henna without some prep will really help you if you are considering going into bridal henna and I think there's also a lot to learn even if you're a very experienced bridal henna artist. So let's go ahead and listen to my interview with Sarah Walters. Enjoy! So I am speaking with Sarah Walters, Sarah with an H, which I kept messing up over and over again. Uh, I hope I won't forget again. And Sarah is based in a suburb of Seattle, right? Uh, Kirkland? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I've actually been stalking you and pinning you on Pinterest, and I didn't really know who you were. I just saw, um, what is it, Sarah Henna and... Uh, it's like, wow, I really, really like her work. And then one day I was talking to Maya online and she mentioned that you and she were henning or doing henna designs on Cree's cast. And I was like, wait, is that the same person I've been stalking? And she confirmed it. <laughs> so um, finally put the name with the work. Um, so um, I'm going to just ask you some questions that you probably get asked a zillion times by your clients, but um, I guess they ask them because they're things that people want to know. And I think people who are listening today will want to know. So for example, how long have you been doing henna and also how did you start doing henna? Yeah, um, I actually started doing henna about eight years ago, seven or eight years ago. Now. Oh, okay. And um, I kind of happened upon it accidentally. I didn't know what it was for the longest time. So I don't have sort of that classic story of, you know, picking up the cone when I was five and, eh. and you know, having, you know, done it my whole life. Um, yeah. I didn't travel anywhere exotic. I went to a local fair. <laughs> <laughs> a very simple design done and it, it wasn't even um, a particularly traditional design but there was something about the art form itself that intrigued me and I wanted to try it. I tend to enjoy trying a lot of different types of art, crafty things and um, so this was just something else that, um, that I kind of wanted to explore just for fun as a hobby and uh, I kind of never looked back. So how long after you had it done did you start trying to do it yourself? Oh, it was um, just a couple of months after. Um, my husband bought me a kit. And, yeah, um, yeah just a basic kit. And I, from the beginning, started um, with trying to learn how to mix the paste myself. And and uh, so there was definitely a lot of trial and error there. I didn't have really any help from anybody other than um, kind of what we've all done, you know, looking online and yeah. reading books and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not easy. Not easy at all. And um, so do you have an art background or, or is um, this your only no. art? 
Right, not formally. Um, actually, I have a day job doing data analysis and programming. <laughs> so, so that's my background, very right brain, um, yeah. or left brain, excuse me. And, uh, um, and so I've always been a sketcher. I do a lot of drawing, um, oh, and I've okay. always enjoyed art, but it, it really was the drawing that I used to do quite a bit, and then it was just completely replaced by henna. Yeah. That's funny because I do software training and tech support. That's my day job. And mm -hmm. it's funny because when I tell clients that, they're always amazed that I do something so different from henna. But to me, it seems very normal to have those two parts of my life. Exactly. I get the same response. Yeah. And, and it's interesting, actually, because a lot of my, um, my bridal clients here where I live, I'm about 15 minutes away from Microsoft. I'm five minutes away from the Google office. Um, oh, wow. It's in the same, same city. So very large Indian community here. And um, most of the women that I'm henning for their weddings or their fiancés actually work for one of those tech companies. And so they're all developers. And, oh, okay. And, uh, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. So it's not so odd to them, except that you're also an artist. And that seems weird, I yes. guess. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So um, what's your favorite kind of gig? I, you know, we're here talking about bridal henna, but is that your favorite kind of thing? Or do you have other things that you like as, as much? Yeah, no, um, definitely bridal is what I really enjoy the most. Um, that's, that's where I focus my business. Um, you know, I think any, any henna artist and bridal henna artist will tell you that it's not really about the money. I don't think that I make as much actually doing bridal henna um, the way that I, I structure the pricing, but huh. um, it's what I love doing the most. I'm a very detail-oriented person, which is reflected <laughs> in you know, the other work that I do, and, yeah. and so I really love getting into those teeny tiny details and, and creating an elaborate design with very small um, details. So what is your pricing structure? Um, well, I have package rates um, that, that I charge based on how much henna they want. Mm -hmm. um, but I like to, um, I really like to make sure that I'm doing a nice job. I don't want to feel rushed with time. And so I don't charge an amount that would equate to what it would be if I were working hourly. Oh, okay. Um, so, so if I were charging them hourly, for example, it would, it would cost quite a bit more than what I charge for the package prices. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah, I also use package pricing, but my package prices are based on the amount of time that it usually takes. So exactly, um, and I think I think that's probably what most bridal hen artists are doing, but yeah, um, but not me. <laughs> well, in a way, it's good for you because then maybe you'll get more clients and you get to do more of the stuff you love doing. So it's win-win for everybody. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I think, you know, also, I think my rates are pretty comparable to the other artists in the area. Um, so they're not necessarily lower, but, um, but I might be spending more time. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you're still in that range. Yeah. And so is bridal a hundred percent of the work that you do, or do you pick up other kinds of gigs as well? No, I, I do quite a variety, um, Probably like a lot of artists, I, I do a lot of bellies. I really love to do bellies too. Oh, cool. And, and uh, I do a lot of private appointments and, you know, at the holiday times, um, you know, we've got Diwali coming up and I'm doing a lot of henna parties and a couple of private appointments for that too. Oh, cool. I do kids' birthday parties also. Yeah. <laughs> so, they're you know, they all have kind of a different energy and, and yeah, I like that definitely. variety. Yeah. And so bridal is... is what percentage of your, of your gigs do you know? Mm -hmm. uh, I would, you know, during the busy season, um, in the summertime, it's easily 70%, I would say. Wow. That's yeah. great. Yeah. It, I'm including parties and, you know, related, um, yeah, wedding the, events. But yeah. yeah. That's great. Very interesting. Yeah. It's so interesting hearing different people's stories about how, the bridal business is where they live. So I think that's, you know, I know this is for our listeners to learn about bridal henna, but it's also interesting for me just to see how it works in different areas of the country and, and the world too. I'm looking forward to talking to Rifat and hearing her stories about how it is in England. Oh, me too. I can't wait to hear yeah. from everybody else. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. At least I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go ahead and start with the questions. Um, as you know, I, um, out a call for questions about bridal henna 
and I did it on Facebook and some of them came through some of you guys and some of them came directly to me. Some of them came from the Facebook page. So I have this whole collection of things and I tried to narrow it down and, and I narrowed it down to 35 questions. Um, and I'm not going to ask you all 35. I'm just going to ask you like maybe 10 or so. Um, so, and I'm trying to kind of do them in a logical order. So um, bear with me as I, as I search through them all and make sure I have them in a, in a good order. So uh, the first thing I want to ask you is how you got your first bridal gig. Like how did, what, what got you into the bridal henna and um, were you ready for it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, the very first bridal that I did, um, I was already marketing for it. So I had, I, I had my business established. I had a website um, I think she found me via Google, you know, she was looking for local henna artists and, um, I'd already done bridal work on, um, family members and friends for free. So I hadn't charged for it, but I had done some designs. And so, um, and that, that kind of built naturally as I was learning to do henna over the years. So, yeah. um, I started my business about five years after I started playing with henna. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, so I had I had a lot of kind of build up um, or lead up before I actually opened up my business, and um, I kind of felt like I was ready for bridal. And uh, I would say that you know I hadn't really worked all the kinks out. <laughs> there were definitely yeah. um, some things that I needed to learn about um, positioning and what my posture needed to be like. Yeah. Um, I was completely destroyed after that first time my body was. <laughs> yeah, I'm still, sure. I still remember driving home afterwards and my head felt weird and my neck felt weird. And I thought, I don't know if I should be driving right now. Yeah. But, um, because it was, it was also one of the more involved, um, bridal pieces that I've done. So I was there for about eight hours. Oh my God. And yeah. So, so I think I was ready in, in the sense that I'd had the practice and I did you know, work that I was proud of. So I was very happy with that. Yeah. Um, but, but again, you know, I had some, some logistical things to work out. <laughs> yeah. And that's really hard to, to learn beforehand. Cause you don't really know what you don't know. Right. And it's hard to, it's hard to know what to ask people. And it's hard to know what to expect because every gig is different. Sometimes you're sitting on the floor. Sometimes you're sitting in chairs. Exactly. And when, and when you don't know any better, you don't know any different, you can't even make recommendations. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So they say, well, how about this? And yeah. you just say, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's like you do parties and you're, the first party you do, you're sitting right in front of the speakers and then you make a mental note next time my contract says far away from the speakers or you're in pitch dark next time I tell them I need light. Exactly. I mean, I'm nodding my head as I'm hearing you <laughs> say all of these things. Yeah. Yeah. Live and learn. That's right. <laughs> as long as you learn, you're good. That's right. <laughs> so how did you go about finding brides? Like what was your, your marketing approach to finding brides? You know, um, I think, I think there are a couple things. One is just making sure that they can find you. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, having a website, um, and it helps if it's a nice website mm -hmm. and, um, making sure that, that it will actually turn up in search results. Mm -hmm. So, um, if you have a friend that, that knows, um, you know, that is more technical or, or knows a little bit about, um, building websites and, and how to make them more search engine friendly, that's helpful. Or if you know that yourself, that's great too. Yeah. Um, so making sure that they can find you is really important. And, uh, um, also I think that, that having nice photos of your work, showing them what you can do, yeah. um, it's, it only goes so far to show them pictures of designs that you could do. They want yeah. to see you can do it and that the results are good. So, yeah, they want to see what it's going to look like on them. Right. Yeah. Right. Was, were there any places that you um, marketed yourself that were um, maybe out of the ordinary or or particularly um, surprisingly good? I don't know. I don't think I've really been particularly creative with the way that I've, <laughs> I've marketed, honestly. Um, you know, I've, uh, you know, I, I've 
focused mainly on my website. And, um, you know, once you start getting a few bridal clients, then a lot of it is word of mouth. Yeah. Um, I do talk about it when I am out doing henna other places. So if I'm oh, at a party good. or if I'm doing henna, um, you know, there are a couple of public places where I'll sometimes, um, you know, be there for a couple hours for drop-in henna. Uh -huh. And I'll just talk to people, you know, I'll let them know this is what I do. And sometimes they'll say, oh, hey, you know, I've got this friend and they're getting married and, you know, you're really good. And, and I bet she'd like, idea. you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do that when I do the Sangeets, I say, uh, but I'll do it kind of the other way around. Like, obviously, they know I already do Bridal Mindy, but I'll say, oh, I also do parties. You can hire me. Have a bunch of your girlfriends over and just hire me for a couple hours to do, to henna you. And they're like, exactly. oh, yeah, good idea. Give me your card. <laughs> exactly. Actually, that, that reminds me, it's not really related to our bridal topic, uh -huh. but, um, you know, when you were asking about what other types of um, henna I really enjoy doing, um, I love doing henna crowns also. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, I, that's, that's um, you know, I started doing that, um, you know, maybe a year or two ago, and, you know, kind of when they were suddenly getting a lot of attention, I know that, yeah. um, that Darcy was a big part of that. And, yeah, and um, Francis Darwin up in uh, Toronto. Exactly. And so um, it started with a friend of my mother's. And she was interested in, in having one. And, uh, you know, once once I did that, it was just such a, an incredible experience, you know, being able to do that for somebody. Um, that's that's become something that I've kind of focused on, too. I really enjoy doing those. Oh, that's cool. I have a nice, diverse selection of gigs to choose from. That's cool. Yeah, definitely. So, um you do you do consultations with brides or do you just uh show up on the day of you know um i used to do consultations and um i've moved away from that um for a couple of different reasons i will say that i would not change the way that i did it meaning that when i first started taking bridal clients it was helpful to have a consultation um, both for me and for them it was um, part of the learning experience for me to understand what to expect, what they wanted, and mm -hmm. um, what their plans for their wedding and their wedding week were going to be like. Mm -hmm. So um, I definitely would not have, you know, for example, I wouldn't recommend to somebody who wants to get into doing bridal henna that they should not do consultations. Yeah. Um, so so I think that that was that was great for the that time, but. Um, I've, I've simply become very busy and it's hard to fit that in sometimes. And frankly, it's hard for the brides to fit it in too. Yeah, that is true. So I've, I really try to um, make the most of what the internet has to offer. And um, I use a nice online form that they can fill out and indicate all of the things that they want. Um, and I also do Skype sessions with them occasionally if they want to do that or a phone consult. Um, I am happy to meet with them in person if they want to, but for the most part, it's, it's via email and, um, oh, okay. you know, filling out a form. Yeah. Oh, that's a great idea to do it with the form and Skype. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I like the, I like the in-person stuff still. Um, but it is true. It's hard to schedule it sometimes. I, you know, I do too. And honestly, I do miss, um, you know, that part of it where you have a chance to kind of, you know, connect with somebody beforehand. Yeah. So, so who knows? I may go back to doing them again in the future. That's the great thing about having your own business is you can always make changes like that if you exactly. decide something's not working for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that it also helps, especially when you're starting out, for them to get a feel for you. And know that you're a legitimate person and that you can actually do the work that's in the pictures on your website and, um, you know, that you're a trustworthy person. You're going to show up on time for the consult, et cetera. Exactly. Exactly. It's as much an interview sort of for them as it is for you. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, when I did do in-person consultations, I also did a, um, a sample design for them yeah. so that they could have a trial of not only what the work was like, but also um, so that they could see what the stain looks like, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's also really important. That's true. Yeah. So um, do you have a contract or do you 
Like what, um, how do you kind of seal the deal with people? Deposit, contract? Yep. I always take a deposit. Um, the, the date's not final until there's a deposit. And I also always give them a contract as well. I, I, um, I have what I call an agreement and it, it basically just covers all of the details kind of to keep us both on the same page. Yeah. Um, and it's been really helpful because a couple of times if there was um, any, you know, lack of clarity around, wait, what time were you going to show up? And, you know, didn't we also book a party? You know, that sort of thing. It, everything is outlined in yeah. the agreement. So yeah. I can cover all of the, um, details about the cost and how much they've already paid and what's remaining um, start times and end times and and how i handle it if you know they're running late um yeah that's all spelled out yeah that makes sense yeah i started adding that thing about them being late in there and that's another one of those things where it's lessons learned it's like oh i waited for half an hour and now they think that i have to stay at an extra half an hour this needs to be in my agreement i need to put this in there next time <laughs> exactly Ugh. it's it's a tough way to learn but you never know that's right and then um when you meet with a bride are they are they looking for you to create something original or do they usually want you to just copy something out of a book or somewhere in between? You know, it's, uh, it's kind of been both over the years. And I would say that it was, it has been more directed by me, mm-hmm. um, maybe more than I realized because, mm-hmm. um, I think initially when I had my first bridal clients, um, I wasn't 100% comfortable with completely developing my own design. Yeah. And so I really encouraged them to choose design. Yeah. Um, you know, I had, I had several books that they could look through and, you know, I felt comfortable replicating any design that they, that they wanted to choose, mm-hmm. but I did not want to try to come up with something myself. And, <laughs> and, you know, over time, you know, of course I developed my own style and I got more comfortable with, you know, experimenting and doing different things here and there, um, you know, maybe on somebody that wasn't paying me. And eventually I got to a point where um, I feel very comfortable just just creating designs for them. And so I ask for, um, I ask them to just let me know what they like and um, give me some, some inspiration if there are certain styles that appeal to them, but then I'll create something for them kind of based on, on those things. Yeah. And then also, I don't want this, or I do want that. Exactly. I have exactly those questions. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. That's pretty much how I did it too. My very first bride, uh, bridal henna was out of an old Navneet book. And, um, (laughs) and yeah, for a long time, I was very afraid to just create original stuff. And now it's like, if I don't even let them pick from designs that, you know, where they want me to copy. And usually they don't want that. It seems like the brides really want something original anyway, like that there's a certain cachet to having an original artwork on their skin. Well, exactly. And you know, they're, they're hiring you for a reason, you know, they've seen seen your work and they like what you do. Exactly. Not necessarily what's in that book. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, and do you ever take more than one bride in a day or do you try and just keep yourself fresh and just do one bride per day? Yeah, no, I, I never do. Um, I have you that's... ever? Have you ever no. done more than one bride? No. No. <laughs> I have, I, and I regret it. <laughs> I, I believe it. It's yeah, tough. I um, I think you know, I really put a lot of myself into those. I already mentioned that I like to you know take the time to really um, do a, a nice job with it. I'm pretty meticulous, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, and so because of that, because of all that energy that I'm investing into it, I'm really shot by the time I'm done. Yeah, and imagine. not only do I not do two in a day, a lot of times I prefer to have a day off in between also. <laughs> yeah. So really, and so, um, you know, this is, this is the benefit too of, you know, not living on, you know, just the, the henna income, right. you know, having a second yeah. job is helpful because I can, I can turn jobs away if I feel like it's just going to exactly. be too, you know, mentally or physically exhausting. Yeah. 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 Sometimes I'll, I'll get another artist to do the Sangeet cause I want to just keep my energy for the bride. 
and not stick around afterwards and do the sangeet or, you know, even sometimes even just doing it the next day is very exhausting for me. And I think maybe I could do it if I weren't working full time, but yeah, with all that going on, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, a lot of times during the summer, I end up taking some time off, you know, from the day job so that I can put more into yeah. the henna. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, it, either way, I think that even if, even if I didn't have a day job, um, I would, I would still be limiting the amount of, of bridal henna that I'm doing, you know, too yeah. close together. Yeah. I just, I need that mental recharge time. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's, I think people think that all you're doing is drawing, but there's so much more to it that can be very, not necessarily stressful, but just you, things that you have to pay attention to, you know, the fact that you're dealing with another human being for several hours and, you know, talking to them and picking up on their energy and it can be really exhausting. Right, right. Absolutely. So you were saying that you, you don't usually, um, copy designs from a book but you'll create stuff based on what they want so do you ever draw a design in advance or do you just kind of wing it when you get there i do both <laughs> i think i think part of it depends maybe on um how creative i'm feeling if I have a lot of creative energy and I'm, I feel really comfortable um, just going in with all the design ideas that I have floating around in my head, um, that's that's primarily what I'm doing. But um, and, I, and I think they tend to work out better usually that way too, because you know you have you have different things that you're taking into consideration when you're creating a design. Um, yeah. You know, arms are different shapes and sizes and lengths, yep. and you know, um, so you have to account for that. And um, you know, but I do occasionally sketch them out first. And um, sometimes, if they're asking for something that's just a bit different than what I usually do, then I like to sketch it out just to make sure that I, I get a flow that I like and that it, it seems like it'll fit together well. Yeah. And it's it's still not usually a hundred percent drawn out but i get kind of an outline in there with maybe a couple of, of pattern or fill ideas okay yeah so so you at the very least you have kind of the layout in your head usually yeah yeah, yeah. and then I'll have I'll have an idea of, of a certain style that I think is going to work. And sometimes I'll change it at the last minute, um, you know, uh -huh. for whatever reason. But, but yes, I usually have kind of an idea of, of something that I want to do. And, and of course, a lot of that is driven by, you know, what she's told me that she likes. Yeah. And what is your work process um, in terms of what part you do first and like, and also what direction you go when you do it? So do you start with the tops of the hands, the palms? Mm, yeah, I, I do the palms first. Uh -huh. um, and I think that, you know, I've, I've heard some other artists say that sometimes they'll start with the feet first, um, you know, so that they can use their, their hands for a little while. Mm -hmm. um, I prefer to do the palms right away. I, I picked that up from another artist a couple of years back um, just because then they're they're holding still yeah yeah <laughs> right, right you immobilize them immediately exactly <laughs> it's exactly. like a stun gun that's right <laughs> i mean you know and especially now with with cell phones um you know smartphones and texting and yeah. they're usually getting phone calls from their florist and their cake decorator and yeah. you know all of these different people and and they're trying to manage all of that while you're working on them and, and that creates a lot of wiggling and yeah. And that, of course, can be kind of kind of difficult. So I usually, I'll do the hands, you know, the palms first, and I start um, up at the top. You know, if we're going from the elbow, I'll start at the elbow and work my way down to the fingertips. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and then, do you do one hand? Which hand do you do first? Um, I usually do. Uh, well, I guess it would be their right hand, but yeah. it's on my my left yeah. because I'm I'm right-handed. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. never want, I never um really thought about that. I just would always start with their right hand and then I realized later, oh, it's because I'm right-handed and and I'd be leaning over the already done hand to do the right hand if I started with the left. But I never it just came instinctually. One thing that I didn't have to learn the hard way. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so after you finish the palms, what do you do? 
and actually that I kind of change sometimes. So I'm, I'm saying that a lot. I'm realizing how much I mix things up, but, uh, you know, it, it kind of depends. Usually I'll go back to that, that first hand and I'll have them flip it over and then I'll do the backs yeah. of the hands. Um, by, because by the time I finished the second palm, the first one is dry. It's dry. Yeah. yeah. That's usually what I do, but sometimes, you know, if I'm just feeling like um, I need a change in posture or something mm. like that, then I'll move to do the feet next, and then I'll come back up to do the backs. And I haven't really, you know, noticed that there's a, a real um, benefit or negative to doing, you know, one before the other necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. But I definitely, I always do palms first. Yeah, I always do palms first too, and 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 mostly for the same reasons that you do. And then I usually do the feet next because I feel like the palms need to longer to dry. But um, yeah, I don't know. I should maybe see if I can do the backs then as well. Because I feel like as the night goes on, I'm more tired and less focused. And maybe, you know, my less focused work should be on the feet where people aren't going to see it as much. Yeah. So I might have yeah, to think about I, that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And and like I said, I've, I've kind of switched it up over time and, and uh, I may continue to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you do have a certain logic to it. Mm -hmm. And do you, um, do you do lemon sugar or some kind of sealant? And do you wrap your brides or do you just let them go? I always do the lemon sugar. Mm -hmm. um, I used to, you know, have a nice little um, heated, uh, boy, what was it? It was sort of like a little aromatherapy oil. Oh, burner. yeah, yeah. And it was really fun to use that, and it looks really pretty, but it was a gigantic headache. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm um, sure. It just, you know, using the cotton balls and dabbing it on, um, you know, it sticks to the henna, and then you get bits of cotton here and there. Yeah. Um, so I moved away from that, and I use a spray bottle now. Oh, um, okay. But I do always, always do the lemon sugar, and I usually do not wrap. Yeah. Um, depending on what time of day it is, if they intend to sleep on it. Um, sometimes I'll help them uh, do a wrap just with some um, tissue, just yeah. some toilet tissue, because yeah. it's nice and thin and it sticks really well to yeah. um, eat the lemon sugar. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that seems that seems to work great. The, the um, tissue actually helps to kind of keep their hands warmer overnight. Yeah, that's um, true keeps the little flakes off the bed, but I always leave yeah. that up to them. And, yeah. you know, many of them choose not to use that at all and, and they're happy with it too. So, yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I feel kind of lazy not wrapping them up, but then I also feel like, why do they have to pay for that time that I spend wrapping it up? They could do it. And I don't, you know, if they're not going to sleep on it, I don't think it's really necessary. I just, no. but I do make sure they have lemon sugar. I think that really helps them. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I agree. So do you still get nervous before a bridal gig or are you, do you have uh, coping mechanisms for that? Yes. And yes. <laughs> um, you I, do I get, mean, you do get nervous. Oh my gosh. I get nervous before every bridal gig, before really? every henna gig that I wow. have. Wow. Why is that? Uh, I don't know. I think, uh, I, you know, well, I do know. I think there, there are some different things going on. Um, part of it is, is just, I think I have kind of a natural, um, little bit of social anxiety i'm oh, always okay. worried they're like oh what if i say something silly or what if we don't have anything to talk about or um you know what if there's a lot of awkward silence or you know what if she doesn't like me or i don't know <laughs> um <laughs> you know so there's there's all of those things but um you know i i think like everybody um i've had a couple of times where maybe my creativity just wasn't there mm -hmm. and it kind of caught me off guard Mm -hmm. um, because I felt ready for it. And then once I was there, I felt kind of like, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't know where to go next or what I'm oh, doing next. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when that something like that catches you off guard, um, you know, then it's always kind of sitting there in the back of your mind, like that could happen again. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I worry about things like that, but, um, you know, my, my coping mechanism primarily is, is just to kind of distract myself. It doesn't help to dwell on it. Yeah. Um, you know, as, as far as the, the creativity thing is concerned, you know, I just try to have, you know, a, a level of preparation ahead of time that I'm comfortable with so that I don't have to worry about that happening. If it does, I can, you know, kind of look at maybe what I sketched out and, oh, that's right. I have that idea about doing this. Yeah. 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 Sometimes I'll just look at 
designs that inspire me before I go in and just kind of like let that be the only thing in my head. And yeah, I don't know. So I think sometimes that helps, helps calm me down, like just focus on the beauty of what I'm doing and, and instead of worrying about it being ugly or badly drawn or something. Exactly. Yeah. You know what? You, you mentioned that and I do the same thing. Um, you know, sometimes I'll go and I'll spend a half an hour before I go to um, a bridal gig or a sangeet and, and I'll do the same thing. I'll just scour a bunch of my favorite kind of artist yeah. pages and, yeah. you know, or I'll, I'll go through Pinterest or something yeah. like that and get some ideas. And that's great for getting out of ruts, especially sangeets, because everybody wants kind of that bridal strip and I end up doing what I think is kind of boring stuff because I just, it just comes out of me so easily. So I, I like to go on Pinterest before those events and, and get some new motifs and some new layouts and kind of have those, those swimming around in my head before I start working. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I think, I think I do it. I do that more often with the Sangeets, especially since, yeah. you know, you've got so many people, you, you want to have some variety. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And to, and to them, everything is new and gorgeous, but to you, you're <laughs> right. like, Oh, I feel like I just did that on the last person. <laughs> so um so somebody asked a really interesting question um and that is do you have a favorite or transformative experience that you've had with a bride hmm. you know um i definitely have had some favorite experiences um of course um i think that they tend to be um brides that are just clicked particularly well with, uh -huh. you know, I mean, anytime you have, um, you know, just a really positive interaction with somebody and, and you kind of connect, uh, you know, on a level um, where, you know, it's just obvious that you have a lot of common and, and kind of a meeting of the minds. That's always, yeah. that's always a nice yeah, experience. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Especially if you're spending several hours with their hand in your hand. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's an intimate thing. And um, so it's, that does tend to happen more often, I would say, yeah. um, with henna than, than maybe in other lines of work, just yeah. because you're, you are so close with them and, and for brides for so many hours yeah. a lot of times. Um, but over the summer, I remember one bride um, and, uh, you know, I, I always am offered food when I'm yeah. at their houses. Yeah. There's always a lot of great food around. Mm -hmm. um, but in this particular um, visit that I had, it was just, it was so nice. They had really nice food and her family was just incredibly welcoming and inclusive with me of all of the activities that they were doing throughout the day. Nice. Um, you know, her, her grandma was there all day and, and she was, you know, I think she was about 95 and, you know, she just, she looked so great for her age too. And, wow. and, um, you know, you wouldn't have believed that she was that old, but she was giving, um, she was giving me all kinds of advice kind of via her granddaughter, the bride uh -huh. about making sure to take breaks and no, 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 you really need to stand up and stretch Aww. and yeah. and really just looking out for me. And it was, it was so sweet. Um, and, uh, yeah, you're not just a hired hand. You're almost like a guest. Yeah. I always, I was definitely treated like a guest and, wow. um, it just, it felt really nice. And they, they included me in, you know, one of the prayers that they did. So we were all standing and, and they gave me a veil to put over my head, which I did incorrectly. And they all laughed <laughs> and, um, I didn't know there was a way to do it, but I did it wrong. <laughs> oh, well, um, oh, well. But uh, it was just, yeah, that was just a really, a really nice experience. Oh, that's cool. There's just something about, I, I think when you're, when you're um, involved in this way in, you know, such an important event, you're, you're um, kind of being brought into families and households in a way you wouldn't otherwise. And so it allows for a lot more of those types of experiences. And that's definitely a, a big part of why I enjoyed it too. Yeah. 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 It's different than, than a lot of the other gigs we do it's um like you said it's a special day and and you get to see that day kind of unfold for them as you work yeah yeah you were talking before about changing your posture uh, or changing the order that you do henna based on you know your posture needs do you have issues with that and mm. do, you, do you find henna to be kind of um, stressful physically for you 
Yeah, um, definitely. That's that's actually been a real challenge for me. Oh, really? Um, it has, yeah. Um, I think that, that part of it had to do with me learning um, you know, proper ergonomics mm -hmm. when I'm when I'm doing henna, especially um, for a few hours. Yeah. Um, having the right seating and and you know keeping your back straight. Um, I was having some pretty serious issues with my back and my neck mm. um, for quite a while. And I, I still am kind of challenged by it even now. And I'm pretty young and I'm fairly healthy and I take care of myself. Uh -huh. And so it it felt you know, I was a little bit scared by it because I thought, well, if I'm having these problems now at this age, I mean, I haven't even hit 30, um, you know, what's going to happen in 10 years? Can I really keep up this henna thing for yeah. much more than, you know, another couple of years or something? Yeah. So it was very concerning. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I have learned quite a few things um, after having um, you know, I, I try to be proactive. So I, I went to a physical therapist and I've um, done massage therapy and um, I've learned a lot of things about um, not just posture, but also um, strengthening and stretching. Those are just really important when you've got to, you know, hold your body in a position for yeah. a long period of time. Yeah, it's you know, true. Your body needs to be strong. So, um yeah, and, and actually, even aside from those issues, um, I, I sometimes, you know, struggle a little bit with my eyes, too, and with headaches. And so, I mean, gosh, I sound like I'm completely breaking down. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I think anybody who's done henna for three or four hours straight can completely understand. Uh, yeah, yeah. Young or old. Well, you know, I've, I've even learned some eye exercises, believe oh, it or wow. not. Oh, <laughs> wow, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, if anybody else that's listening is dealing with that, you know, the one simple thing you can do if you do a lot of henna and you're finding you have some eye strain is just making sure that you're taking a lot of time during the day. Just frequently look out a window and stare at something far away. Look at trees. You do so much looking at, at things that are very close to your face. Yeah. You know, um, you're, you're usually leaning in very close to the henna. You want to make sure that you're getting an equal amount of time looking at things off in the distance. So yeah. little and, tip. <laughs> and I think that's, um, that's another reason to take breaks regularly. And, and I definitely know sometimes I want to finish the gig and I don't want to take breaks. And then I feel my work suffers possibly because my eyes are tired or my body is tired or even just my mind is tired. And, so I've made a point, you know, I finished the palm, one palm and I take a little break and at least stand up and then go to the other palm and then stand up after that. And, you know, trying, try and, um, you know, get that focus farther, farther away and, um, and also just straighten out all of my limbs. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. I, I actually, um, think that that was one of the things I learned the hard way because, um, for a long time, I was terrible about taking breaks. I, yeah. I didn't really feel like, you know, five minutes was going to make that much difference. Yeah. And, and you just kind of feel like, you know, you're, you're in the flow or you get are starting done. to get tired. Yeah. You just want to power through it. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I feel so much better when I finish now, when I take regular breaks, just like what you were describing, yeah. just, you know, at regular intervals, when you finish kind of each section or each part. Yeah. And often you find that the bride wants a break too, you know, it's, um, it's not easy for them to just sit there and they're staring at the top of your head for half an hour, <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> let them look at something different and, you know, if they need to get up and walk around, they can. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, and, and if they're feeling shy about it at all, then you're, you're making sure that, that they're getting those breaks that they need if they didn't feel comfortable saying for some reason. Yeah, because they may think, oh, she probably just wants to get this done and get out of here. I don't want to make it go on any longer. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, yeah. So um, so I think that's it for the questions. Um, is there anything that um, I didn't ask you? Or actually, let me ask you a better question. Um, if you have any advice for a uh, henna artist who wants to move into bridal, what would that advice be? Hmm. I don't think that my advice is going to be particularly unique, but um, <laughs> I think, you know, it's always about practice. If you can, if you can find um, 
some women to practice on, or even girls. If you can find, you know, teenagers, um, there are probably some teenage girls that would love it. Get yeah. lots and lots of practice creating designs, creating your own or replicating. Um, it worked best for me to copy designs initially, but um, you know, you want to get a lot of practice and then also taking photos of it. If if your work is good, you need a portfolio, right? Um, so that so that when you do start um, to market to brides, you have a portfolio to show them. Yeah, that's it. That is very good advice. And then you have that practice under your belt so that you know that you can at least whip out these designs. Right. And I, you know, and actually, um, I think that would be the other thing is when you're when you're doing that practice, um, do a full bridal, you know, do yeah. both sides of both hands, do the feet as well. Um, I did not do that. I would do it in stages. So <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. So I would, oh, well, this time I'll do the palms and then another time I'll do the backs. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that works fine for your portfolio, but you are not working out any of the little issues um, or, or kinks that you have to figure out with your yeah. ergonomics or yeah. with, you know, how to get that little triangular spot, you know, on the side of the arm that doesn't yeah. show on the palm or the back. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. <laughs> all those little things, you have to really do the whole thing to figure that out. <laughs> yep. That is very true. And you also have to see if you can sit there for three hours, four hours and henna, see if you have that stamina. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You can't just run a, a 5K if you're going to run a marathon. You have to see if you can do the full marathon. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a, that's a perfect analogy. I mean, imagine, well, I did a 5K every day last week. I'm yeah. ready. <laughs> that comes up to almost a full marathon, right? <laughs> <laughs> Should be close. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. This has been really fascinating hearing your approach to bridal henna and putting putting words to all the designs that I see on Pinterest. Sure. It was my pleasure. Nice talking to you. Yes, and I can't you. wait to hear the, uh, the finished um, interview. Yeah, me too. <laughs> okay, great. Well, have a good night, Sarah. All right. Thank you. All too. right. Thanks again. Bye. Bye. So that was the second installment of the bridal panel on Caught Red-Handed. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sarah Walters and learned as much as I did. I apologize for the noise. There seemed to be a fan or a heater or something going on in the background. I hope that wasn't too distracting and you probably noticed that it got better as the interview went on. One thing I want to mention to you is I get a lot of requests for classes and I keep kind of dragging my feet, but 2014 I decided to finally institute classes. I'm going to do one per quarter and they're going to be on March 1st, June 7th, August 30th, and December 6th at my place in Brooklyn. And they're going to be kind of beginner classes, but they will expand based on the people who are signed up for the classes. So you can see more about that on my website at kenzie.com. So here's the part where I thank all the people who are involved in the production of this podcast. Nash Kerm for the photos, Shelly Cohen for the music, and that's the end of that list. But thank you all for listening. It's been really great to have your support and know that you're out there listening to each and every episode. So thanks again for listening and stay tuned for the next episode, not only of the bridal panel, but of other guests as well. Bye.